0: What's up, family? All right, I have a feeling somebody's ready for the Word this morning. Come on, anybody excited about the Word this morning? I just need two or three of you to get me going and we're good. Amen. Father, I ask you to shut me up, God, that you would have your way. Prepare the speaker, prepare the seeker, God. Prepare, God, your word that it would fall on fertile ground, God, that it would take root, that it would change and transform. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all right. Get your, get your, uh, get your smartphones ready. Get your tweeters out. Here's the quote this morning. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at the things in life that don't really matter. Some of you don't type that fast. All right. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Amen? Listen, I was listening to a video this week. Um, One of of my favorite guys to listen to, Francis Chan, he's just a, a funny guy. And he he was um, I was listening to a video where he was ministering and he was sharing about kind of the way things are going here in America, right? The way things are starting to head, the things that we're starting to see, the the stuff that's having, happening with our government, the stuff that's happening with the laws that have been changed and are being changed, right? And and he he started talking about how, you know, really kind of. You know, it, it could happen at any time, really, and I'm not even talking about like far, far into our future, but it could happen like overnight, where the, the, the way our lawmakers and, and people twist things, the way things are heading, it could get to the point, listen, where what I'm doing right now, addressing a public gathering, could be labeled a hate crime. Right? Anybody see that happening? Right and, and, and what I'm sharing, it, it, it could be addressing a public gathering with the purpose of hopefully sharing from the Scriptures, could actually be labeled a hate crime. And, and what I'm doing here could be labeled hate speech and thus declared illegal. I mean, is this far off? Do you think this is far-fetched? I mean, do you see this happening like overnight? Like you see, you read something in the news, and then all of a sudden, you you know, you find out like by the weekend, wait, they're gonna start shutting down churches. The government's gonna start pulling back their uh, their 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 401c3 status. They're gonna start pulling away there and and just removing and shutting down. Listen, the trap would be then that we would get so consumed with fighting that battle. That all of our efforts would be consumed with that priority and we would forget our real purpose. That, that we would get so consumed with this revolution and forget all about revelation. Right? That that we would forget our purpose, our, our goal, which is to share the gospel. Which is to bring the good news, which is the great commission to make disciples. Amen? That we would, see, we could, even by winning, we could lose because sometimes we we fight the wrong battles. Any parents in, in the house today? Sometimes we just fight the wrong battles, right? See, the one strategy of our enemy has always been to get us to fight the wrong battles. I always heard this quoted and people say, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Did you know, church, that you could be consumed in ministry? You could be doing everything for good, everything for God, and still be doing the wrong things. Come on, I thought we had some Christians up in here. Remember, remember when 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 uh, when Martha started complaining to to, to Jesus about Mary because Mary just wanted to be at his feet. Mary just wanted to be in the living room, kind of just cuddled up with Jesus listening, right? And and Martha's upset because she's all doing all the ministry, right? And she's getting things ready and she's got the paniel in the oven or in the cave, however they made it back then, right? And and she got everything going on and she's like, Jesus, come on, man, tell this woman to do something. I'm doing everything, and Jesus says, Martha, Martha. <laughs> Hey, and, you're worried about many, many things, but there's only one thing is needed. And Mary chose the one thing, and I'm not going to take that away from her. Amen? See, this kind of revolution has already happened in Russia and in China. History lesson. There were two great revolutions with the purpose of, of having a communist, right, with the purpose of controlling people. And so what they did was they needed to wipe out the church. And so in, in Russia, religion was built all around these huge cathedrals. And, and religion was held tightly by the priests. And so in Russia, what they did was they got rid of of, of the the buildings. They shut down the buildings and got rid of the priests. And what happened? Because the people didn't know the word, the church died. And so it was successful. However, in China, in China, when they got rid of the buildings and got rid of the leaders, but the difference was the church in China was kind of a lot like our church. Amen? Amen? They had already empowered people with the word. They had already shared people. And so the average church attender in China, they already knew their word. They already knew how to lead people. They already studied. They already prayed. They already testified. And so history tells us that the persecuted church on the Mao tongue grew from 2 million to an estimated 80 million Christians. How do you grow from 2 million to 80 million with no megachurches, with no buildings, with no campaigns, persecuted underground, right? Why? Because when they took away their buildings and they took away their leaders, the the people were like, so what? So what? We've already been taught the word, so we'll teach it. We've already been taught to lead, so we'll lead it. We've already been taught to preach, so we'll preach it. We've already been taught to worship, so we'll worship. We've already been taught to pray, so we'll pray. So what? We don't have a building. So what? We don't have leaders. We're leaders. Ain't that the right attitude? See, the the point he was getting at in this video is that, and what I want us to reflect on today in this message titled, You Already Know. What camp would we fall under? If, when, when, let's say when this happens here. I don't think it's a question of if. When this happens, what, where would we stand, right? I mean, the way I look at it, when it comes to God, you, you already know. Right? When it comes to, when it comes to uh, sin, come on, fam, you already know. You already know. You tried that. It didn't get you nowhere. That's how you ended up here. You already know. When it comes to relationships, you already know. When it comes to habits and wrong paths, you already know. Anybody? Right? Anybody been there? I already know. Come on, tell your sister, you already know. Say it with attitude, because that's how it's meant to be said. When it, when it comes to doing things your wrong way, tell somebody. When it comes, when it comes to grace and forgiveness, come on. When, when it comes to how bad we mess up at times and how much God still loves us, amen. So, so where do you think the American church would stand? Would we, would we bow out and be lost? Or we, would we be empowered? Would we get excited? Would we start sharing what we already know? Would we start studying to show ourselves approved, the workmen uh, approved unto God? Right? That doesn't need to be ashamed. Would we start drawing from the well that's been deposited inside of us? Would we start sharing outside of our church? Would 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 it hit you then that you have been reconciled to God, and so that makes you a minister of reconciliation? Would would you then be a part of a small group or would you maybe even start one would you would you then maybe gather with some people to secretly pray together would you then encourage one another would your emails now take a little more thought would your would your tweets be a little more meaningful would your would it change Facebook completely Or would you still be telling people that you went to the bathroom, and your stomach hurts, and this, and, 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 and... You already know. Come on. Come on. Would you be more mindful to make sure that everything that you posted, maybe, would be a word of encouragement to somebody that's struggling, to somebody that's hidden, to somebody that's persecuted? Now, my question to all this and to all of us then is this. If, if we're not already, then why aren't we doing that now? Let the pow-pow session begin. Let's go. Bring it. Say, bring it. Listen, why do we always have to wait for the enemy to start the revolution? Why don't we start one for a change? Why aren't then we now reading more, studying more, sharing more? Why aren't we gathering for prayer? Why aren't we encouraging one another? Why why is it that instead of gossiping and criticizing and backbiting, we instead of holding grudges, instead of holding unforgiveness? Why aren't we then now walking in grace and walking in, and showing grace? Why why when will the judgment of people stop? Why not now? So as I was kind of reflecting on this, and I I think God was starting to show me, and I started to get the picture of how Paul was feeling with this church in the city of Corinth. And if you're just visiting today, we started a new series. We've been going through the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. At the sanctuary, we like to grab a book and go from beginning to end. Amen? We did Genesis. It took us how long? You guys are good. She said, a year and a half. I'm sorry it took that long. So, so we've been doing, for the last bunch of weeks, we've been doing 1 Corinthians, and we've been going all the way to the book. We've gone all the way up to chapter 3. Because, you know, we start a chapter, then we go back two chapters, and then we, I just, for some reason, I just can't keep going forward. You know, sometimes I got to anybody like that in their walk? i tell you what, if you want to go through it faster, do your own study. But, so, as I started reading this, I, I started to get it. Paul spent time with these people. He planted this church in Corinth. I know a little bit about that. Right? And, and, and so, maybe it was totally different back then, or, or was it really? I don't, I don't know. He lived among them for a year and a half. He raised leaders. He entrusted the riches of God and the goodness of God's grace to them. He shared his life with them. He shared his story with them. And then he leaves them to go do it again somewhere else. And now, at this point, he's probably locked up in prison for starting another revolution. Paul got locked up everywhere he went. Amen. Thank God for Christian ex-cons. So he he's locked up in prison again, and he hears rumors. He hears a letter. You know, he hears comments about that his church, his team back in Corinth, they're wilding out again. And so he addresses them, and that's that's what we read about in 1 Corinthians 3.1. Let, let's read it again. Check it in your Bibles, make sure I don't, I don't make this up. I'm reading it right now from the message because it just gets so raw that way. Look, 1 Corinthians 3.1, it says, But for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like babies in relationship to Christ, capable of nothing more than nursing at the breast. Well then, Paul says, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As as long as you grab for what makes you feel good and makes you look important, are you really much different than a baby at the breast, content only when everything's going your way? Paul's going in. Right? And so last week we got into Paul's breakdown, right? Of the conditions of man and he, he spoke of natural man and natural man is that man that hasn't said yes to God. That man that's not spiritual. He, the message of the cross to him is foolishness because he's never accepted the Lord. He's never, he's never had that relationship. So the spirit of God is not in him. He's fleshly. He's natural man. Then he spoke about spiritual man in, in first Corinthians two and spiritual man is just a natural man that said yes to God. And so a natural man that's responded to God, the word says when we respond to him that his spirit is in us. Right. And so that's spiritual man. Right. And so 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 that man, he knows the things of God, the spirit of God is in him. And now he's telling them, brothers, I couldn't address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food because you weren't ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are yet carnal. And so he introduces us to the third type of of condition of man, which is carnal man. Carnal man knows the things of God. He's a spiritual man. He's said yes to God. He has the response from God. But he's still so full of the love of this world that he's characterized more by the things that he's doing and and, and the way that he feels about the things of this world. Amen? Amen? He's he's already caught up in the revolution. He's he, carnal man could be one way here and another way at work. Carnal man gets no respect from his family because at church he's oh God bless you brother God you know the Lord be with you how you doing I'm blessed Amen highly favored but then when he goes home he's a he's a totally different hypocrite right. Carnal man, at work, you know, in church, she's hallelujah and jumping up and down in the front, but at work, she's like, ain't nobody got to know my business, all right? See, the Corinthian church got to the place where all they wanted was the spiritual fast food. They, they walk into the church late, and they order a number three. They said, give me two of my favorite songs and one quick message. And I stress quick. And don't be boring, because I'll walk out. And if you don't play my favorite songs, I ain't giving no money in offering. Fast food, everything quick. Right? That was the Corinthian church, not, not us. Relax. Now, 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 listen, what did Paul say was the evidence of this? Here's, here's what we got to learn and see what's happening. What did Paul say was the evidence of this? why was he calling them babies? That's a great question. I'm glad you guys asked that. He says in verse 3, For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men when one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. See, the Corinthian Christians thought of themselves as spiritual, but their divisions showed that they were carnal. Side note, The problems that we have in our human relationships usually show some issues that we have in our relationships with God. That's not for you to tweet. That's just for you to swallow. See, because when you understand... Family, lean lean in, lean in. When you understand the forgiveness of God, you flow in that forgiveness. Right? When listen, if you're not flowing in that forgiveness, you haven't really received it yet. You still think you're you're here because you you're like you're a good person and you're trying to do the right things and you do enough good things to outweigh you know the bad things and the, the ugly stuff that's in your heart that you don't share with nobody. But when you understand the forgiveness of God, you you flow in that forgiveness. When you when you get the unmerited grace of God That grace should spill over into your relationships. When you get that you don't deserve what you got, that should change you. If not, you are an ungrateful piece of Puerto Rican. I I don't don't understand. I don't know what else to call you. Right? When you don't understand that, man, everything that I have, I don't deserve. I, there's nothing, I try to be good, but what Paul says, every time I try to do good, evil is right there with me. And, and what I want to do, I don't do, but the bad that I don't want to do this, I keep doing. Right? Paul says that. So how much more you and I, right? And so, so when, when we understand the undeserved love of the Father, to the point where, where, where a Father would sacrifice himself, transform, come down, take our place at the cross to wash us clean, to lift the guilt and condemnation that we should feel. When we understand that, we'll never put that on somebody else. We would never put that on somebody else. See, this was evidence of a worldly way of thinking. Paul says you're acting like babies. You already know these things. See, Paul is talking to the spiritual men and women who are acting like babies because they're still on milk when they should be craving solid food. How many of you had babies or you've been a baby before? (laughs) I mean, that's all of us, right? See, you never give a baby something as solid as steak. Why? He's not ready for it. Right? He can't digest it. He can't break it down. He can't, he can't chew it. Well, these Christians in Corinth, like many Christians today, they talk about they want more solid food. They, they wanted more teaching. They wanted more theology. They wanted the deeper mysteries of God. But, but Paul says, but the, you're showing me by the, your actions that you're not ready for that. Because you're not doing what you already know. Tacalladito up in here. Family people leave churches for so many reasons, and some are some are great reasons. Sometimes you just don't agree with the vision of the church, and it's time for you to go. You being there, you, you you're being you're being sinful. You're being in the wrong place, right? Sometimes people are called to another place. God will call people to other other places to do different things. Sometimes they've outgrown the church. Leaders. Side note. When the people you lead are growing more than you are, there's going to come a point where they outgrow your leadership. But a lot of times, if we're honest with each other, people leave churches because they aren't mature enough to work through issues. Because they 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 don't want to they haven't they 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 haven't grasped the grace of God and so they can't deal with the forgiveness of God and so when the ushers come around to grab their baby bottles out of their mouths they throw a fit and say I'm out of here. Paul says there's still strife and there's still jealousy and there's still divisions among you. And Paul says, you're supposed to be spiritual. You're supposed to be the light of the world. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're supposed to bring out the God colors in this world. You're supposed to be the spiritual adobo, the seasoning of this world. But you're not even getting along with each other. You're not even doing what you already know. Now listen, here's a big disclaimer. If you've just started this walk with God, you picked a bad day to show up today. <laughs> this is not for you. <laughs> so right now you can ease up, relax, look at the person that brought you here. They go, <laughs> this is not about you. You're just starting this, this walk with God. This isn't for you today. You're, you're supposed to take baby steps. Amen? Can I release some people today? You're supposed to take baby steps. Right? You don't put a baby on a skateboard. Unless, of course, you're my father, but that's a whole other story. So please hear me. If you're just starting this walk with God, if you're just coming back after after a lot of years of being away from God, if you're just starting this, if you're just... Listen, listen, hear me. You're supposed to have trust issues. Did, did I relieve somebody already? You're supposed to have some baggage to deal with. Can can I be honest with you? I don't care that you still smoke. I don't care that you're not ready to tithe yet. I don't care that you drop an occasional F-bomb when you're frustrated. I don't care that you're a hot mess half the time. Somebody just received that. You went. Whew. <laughs> Whew. Listen, when we say "come as you are," when Jesus says "come as you are," I, we, we have to take the risk that somebody might actually do that. <laughs> we say "come as you are," but we say you better wear a good suit, and you better watch your mouth, and you better spray cologne so we don't smell the smoke. And you better, you know, and, and, and we have all this thing, and, and that's why people will give us all these excuses. Uh, I'll come to church when, when I gotta get some things ready first, right?
1: I gotta get my life
0: together. No, dummy. You gotta come to church to get your life together. You don't get your life together and then come to church. But the problem is, listen, we could clap and clap, but the problem is when they come without getting their life together, we make them feel uncomfortable. And we, and we, and we hurt them. We hurt them. We look at somebody and say, you, you see what homegirl is wearing to church? Do you see, you see what she's rocking? Oh, my God. And then you huddle, and, and all of a sudden, and then that person's by themselves, and then, and then there's an altar call or something, and everybody's praying and crying, that person's sitting all alone, weirded out, and nobody's going to them because they dressed funny today, and nobody's reaching out because it's like, well, somebody else will do it. So, who, who's going to do it? Right? So, so we have to take the risk that when we say come as you are, people might actually do that. And I'm glad that, that you guys are beautiful here. You, you, you guys do that. Amen? So, so listen, if you're just starting out today, let me just, let me relieve you, tell you it's okay to not be okay. Amen? But. <laughs> There's always a but. At some point, family, if you've been in this walk, if you've been on this road for 37 years, you are going to have to give the baby bottle up to the usher when he comes around. Amen? Because honestly, you look ridiculous. You look ridiculous, right? If, 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 if you've been on this road, oh, here, here we go. I know people are going to tweet this and I don't want them to. If you've been on this road for 10 to 15 years, you should be potty trained by now. <laughs> what do I mean by that? You shouldn't be dropping doo-doo on everyone around you. You shouldn't be creating a stink everywhere you go. Can I can I talk to our brothers and sisters? Some of you, we've been we've been in this man. We've been God has got us through some things. We've matured in God in some areas. We want to join the worship team. We want to join the ministry. We want to teach kids. We want to lead youth. But we're creating a stink everywhere we go. We're carrying a load everywhere we go. The ushers got to come and bring you diapers and change you up. We we shouldn't be having spiritual depends up in here. Amen? We should have learned by now that that's not how we roll. Listen, God gave me two daughters to teach me patience. (laughs) I love you babies. Most people that know me by now would agree that I'm a very patient guy. Amen? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I believe that's a character trait I get from the Father. Amen? I was created in His image and I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk in that. But there is one thing that really hurts me. I'm being dead serious. There is one thing that really grieves me there's one thing that really grabs at me and the more i read scriptures the more we study and break down books and books of the bible it comes more and more and more alive in me it was important to paul it was important to jesus and it has to be important to us if we're gonna walk this thing out we got to deal with what we already know so i'm going to close with this jesus was addressing his disciples in john chapter 13 Worship team, you could come. Give the people some hope. Jesus was addressing the disciples in John chapter 13. He, and it was going to be one of the last times of fellowship that he was going to have with them before, before he would have to walk that love out and on the way to the cross. And what does he do? He washes their feet. The most humblest act that you could imagine. Before going to die and taking your place, he, he washed their feet. He ate with them. <clears throat> and then the word tells us that after he got the one out that was going to betray him, he made sure he was gone first. After he got him out of the room, he says this. In John 13, verse 34, I'm going to give you this scripture and I pray that it just... Everything else, forget everything else I said. Just let, this, just let this get in you. Let this be brand new. He says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. You got to understand how scandalous this had to be back then. He says a new commandment. And and so you know uh, Francis Chan talks about you know he says I, I can imagine Paul you know he got or or the disciple you know they they got their notebooks out and they got he's like a new commandment he's gonna give us a new commandment this is gonna be good. This is serious. We already got 10. He's going to give us 11. This is the new commandment. And so they were ready, man, to get some deep revelation. They were ready to get something so heavy. You know, the, the theologians were ready. The, the, the Peters and the They were just ready to just jump on this, right? A new command. He says that you love one another. And then it gets worse. He says, just as I have loved you, you also love one another. Just as I have loved you. Here's the master washing their feet, eating with them, fellowshipping with them, and about to go and die for them. And he says, Love one another, and and as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. But wait, there's more. Verse 35. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. I, I wish I could make this more serious today. Because it sounds so cheesy. Just love one another. That sounds so empty. That's so corny. That's so played out. Just love one another. I wish I could make it so heavy, but maybe if you picture the cross... Maybe if you picture the blood, the trail of blood. Maybe if you picture all the blood that spilled down that piece of wood and puddled at the bottom. Maybe if you picture the agony. Maybe if you picture the defeat. Maybe if you picture the surrender. Maybe if you picture the substitution. Maybe if you put your face on that cross and and, and understand that it should have been you. Maybe then... We, we could say love one another as I have loved you and by this all people will know that you're my disciples and we could, we could look at that and, 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 and we got it so twisted we could say wait you mean they're not going to recognize that we're Christians by the little fish symbols on our cars you, you serious I got to do more than that They're not going to know that we're Christians by the Christian t-shirt that I rock to a Christian event. They're not going to know that that we're Christians because we have these huge Christian churches. You mean, they're not going to know us by our cool Christian rock bands or by our hip Christian rappers. You mean, they, they won't know us by that? No, they will know you. You're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Family, I know some of you have been hurt by churches. I know we've been betrayed, we've been talked about, we've been gossiped on. Some of us have been thrown out of some. We've been rejected by others. I think I can honestly tell you Jesus knew what that felt like. And still commanded us to love one another anyway. See, at some point we need to get to the place where we can stop complaining about our experience with the church and work on becoming the church that we dream of. Work on becoming the church that we see in scriptures. A church that became one. A church that where if I had two, I'd give you one so that we could both have one. What does that look like today in America? What what would that look like here in the Bronx? What would that look like if if it really played out in church? What would that look like? What would happen? I think personally, this would just be the meeting room for leaders. The church would have to be someplace else. I, I, I think there just wouldn't be room for people if people really saw. I mean, look around. There's a lot of people here, Right? I mean, there's a lot of people here. Like, you, But put it this way, if we were all to beat up on one of you, you would understand there's a lot of people here, right? <laughs> You'd know, man, that's a lot of people beating up on me. So, so imagine if, if, this, if this group would start to show the love of God outside of the building. Can you imagine the attraction that the world would have to us? you imagine the change? you imagine how many people would start following you around? Say, what's that stuff that you're on? <laughs> I want to smoke some of the stuff that you're smoking. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine? Give me, give me some of the little pills that you're taking. I want some of that stuff. I want some. Where do I buy it? And you say, it's free. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Hook me up with the free stuff. Everybody wants something for free, right? Hook me up with the free stuff. Who's your dealer? <laughs> you, ha <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Come on, let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. Let's throw the baby bottles out of here, let's stand. Come on. Woo!